Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 101 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Last episode was the big 100. We turned 100 and it was a really good time. If you haven't heard it yet, make sure you do go and hit that up, but not before you finish listening to this episode because this is really cool. Joining us in the confessional this evening, I've got Maddie Staunton from Smoking Coals Barbecue and Kids Q Nation Australia. Smoking Coals is a grand champion winning barbecue team from Sydney who are consistently at the pointy end of the competition ladder. And barbecue drawing family together the way it does, his sons are now into it as well, prompting Matt to start up Kids Q Nation Australia, which is a really cool concept and will be opening up opportunities for kids who want to queue everywhere. So in this episode, we're going to get into how he got into barbecue. We're going to get the Smoking Coals barbecue story. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him what's up with that truck. If you've seen their their uh, profile on Facebook, you'll know what I'm talking about. And also, Maddie and the team cook on M Grills and B and B charcoal, so they're not super readily available in Australia. So we're gonna find out what that connection is there and how he got that started. And then we're gonna have a bit of a chat about one of my favourite competitions on the calendar, Kangaroo Valley. It's changed dates this year, so we're hoping to uh, to meet up again for a third time. We're going to talk about Kids Q Nation and in particular the impact that the coronavirus might have had on, on Kids Q Nation. And because Maddie's got kids about my uh, the same age as my kids, I'm going to pick his brains for some ideas about how he's entertaining his kids and see if we can swap some ideas there and maybe help you out in the process. We're also going to find out Matt's plans for the future and then he's going to give us a lesson of his choosing. Now, I'm not sure what he's going to say yet, so it's going to be really interesting and I'll be hearing it at the same time that you're hearing it. So it's going to be quite fascinating to hear a, uh, a lesson from this pro pitmaster. So that's probably enough for me. Let's get stuck into it. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Matt, mate, welcome to the confessional. Thank you for coming aboard. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Anytime, my friend. How are you? Uh, how are you faring? Uh, yeah, yeah, good, good. Going, going a little stir crazy, uh, you know, with isolation and whatnot, but get, getting through it. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I have suddenly discovered a really keen uh, desire to become a gardener. <laughs> uh no 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 uh, <laughs> i couldn't think of anything worse all right yeah we're actually uh, oh we'll we'll get into that later because it's it's connected to kids and lockdown and sort of stuff yeah. so we'll we'll talk about that a bit later on so uh, mate start at the beginning tell us how you got into low and slow barbecue um i guess <laughs> The, the, the low and slow part for me um, came about after a lot of years of, you know, just cooking cooking over coals, cooking over charcoal, uh, a bit of steaks on the Weber or, you know, a, a roast and, and nothing much more than that for a lot of years. Um, one day I was just sort of sitting at home, saw a Subway ad pop up about some um, – pulled pork that they had decided to do at the time and thought, yeah, and thought, oh, I could have a crack at that. So I went and picked up a pork shoulder from the local butcher and uh, some wood chunks, um, threw it all on the Weber. Um, The end result was probably the worst thing I've ever cooked in my (laughs) life. Um, at the time, thought it was the best thing I'd ever cooked in my life, and that's that's when the bug really bit. And um, you know, at the time, I think uh, I found the the ABA um, through just a bit of research about low and slow in Australia. Uh, joined the ABA in its young younger days at about two thousand members. I think they had at the time not the uh the beast that they are today and um just got, got started talking with some guys um on there 
learned a few things here and there, attended the first meat stock festival um, just as a punter. And um, from there found out that there was a really large competition being run by the same guys up in Port Macquarie uh, a month later. And um, Ozzy and I decided to head off to Port Macquarie to see what the competition side of things was really about. And um, it, it all just went from there. Um, we went up to Port Macquarie and checked out what was one of the, if probably was and is until recently, um, the biggest event in the country. Um, got around, met a, a whole bunch of people involved in, in the barbecue scene in the low and slow in Australia and just decided uh, pretty much on the day that that was just uh, a scene that we wanted to be a part of. Yeah, Port Mac will do that to you. <laughs> so you um you mentioned the the very first meat stock was was where you went. Um, oh, I did just want to point out when you first started that story and you were talking about Subway pulled pork. I thought you were going to tell me that was your introduction that you went to Subway and tried their pulled pork. <laughs> that, no, no, that was why I said oh no. But I'm I, I'm happy with the other direction that the story took instead. <laughs> No, I thought uh, I thought if they if they can do it reheated in a microwave, surely we can do it better over charcoal. Yeah, no doubt about that at all. I, to be honest, I haven't even tried the Subway pulled pork, but the the fact that the Neither guy the fact that the guy comes on in the ad and says oh, in five hours we'll have pulled pork. If you're doing pulled pork in five hours, you're doing it wrong straight off the bat. <laughs> anyway. You said that uh, one, one of the earliest comps you went to as a punter was the first ever meat stock. So that was meat stock Sydney? It was, yes. How have you seen meat stock grow over the years? Uh, meat stock's just constantly, constantly lifting the bar on, on I guess, the, the low and slow festivals in Australia um, as well as the competition side. It's very quickly become one of the must-do calendar events um, in Sydney and in Melbourne and in Auckland. Yeah. And, and from, from the festival side of things, you know, we've, we've seen just a few thousand, um, in the first years through the gates every day. And then it's, it's, I believe it's growing by a few thousand people, um, per day every year at each event. Yeah. I want to say it was somewhere up around like 30, 35,000 people through the gates, uh, last year, I think. Wow. Something like that. It was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was massive. So from there, you said you uh, that you went up to Port Macquarie. Um, that was actually, when, when it was still running, was the largest barbecue competition in the Southern Hemisphere, was my understanding of it, at 104 teams. Um, yes. Was that the first competition that you entered as Smoking Coals or were you still, um, were you still watching at that stage? Uh, no. So at that stage, um, we only really existed – as a bit of fun and we sort of threw a Facebook page together and, and that was about it. Um, when we went beyond that, I mean, we went to Port Macquarie, we decided that, you know, it was something that we wanted to be a part of. Um, but we didn't actually do anything, um, until the following year. Um, oh, right. we, we basically took the rest of the year to sit and learn and watch what was going on. Um, I think we got around to a few competitions and then we um, headed up to uh, Gloucester for a wild uh, one dish chef's choice hand in for a wild card entry um, just to sort of see how the competition scene worked and try and get our head around that before we actually hit the ground running uh, the following year. Was that the, the Just Smoking competition? Yes. And yes, well, it wasn't the full competition. It was um, a, a one dish chef's choice um, hand in that the winner walked away with a wild card entry into the actual competition the following year. Ah, oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. I see. And I think from memory, we came third out of 10 teams at the, the wild card. That's pretty good for your first run out of the gate. Yeah, it, it, it was okay. We, we, we were happy, but we walked away learning a lot of things too. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So from that uh, from that comp at Gloucester, where did Smoking Coals move from there? Um, we landed at Parramatta, uh, barbe- the big barbecue battle on Australia Day the following year. Um, that was our first full competition and there was only myself and Ozzy um, at the time. And um, that was a shocking result <laughs> <laughs> for for us to go up against a bunch of teams that were already competing. We were we were the new guys, and I think we finished about seven out of ten on the day. Um, but then moving on from there, we went to craft the crafted festival in Orange a few weeks later. Um, it was our second ever comp. We took first in pork and finished third overall or fourth overall out of 25 teams. So that that was one comp to another was a real learning curve for us um, as to what we should have been doing and we weren't. Um, and we just sort of went from there. Yeah, sounds like you um, certainly uh, applied that knowledge that you picked up in the in the gap there. So at, the, at, at Parramatta, was that the year that it was 45 degrees on the bitumen? <laughs> It was. <laughs> yeah, that I I remember reading about that and just thinking, man, that must have been savage. Yeah, no, it was uh yeah, definitely a, a curveball thrown into um the barbecue that we'd been practicing at home, you know, with a few creature comforts, so to speak. Yeah. To to, to then go and put yourself in the middle of Parramatta Park in in ex- the the extreme heat. Um definitely sort of played on our results a little, I think. Yeah, no doubt about that. So that um, that competition sort of grew for a while and then it morphed and changed into just a lamb challenge. It went from being a um, from being a sanctioned event to being an ABA light. I'm not too sure what what really happened there, but it lo- it really looked like it was building and building and then it sort of sort of it shifted, it pivoted. It was um, it was interesting. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Um what happened there? Um, okay, so uh, I, I'm doing the math. I think we're around 2017 now. Where did yes. you go sort of from 2017 into 2018? Because I know how 2018 ended for you, which we're going to get to later. <laughs> um, uh, 2017 um, still played out well for us. We had a, another, I think we did about eight or nine competitions that year. Um, the biggest result for us was back up in Port Macquarie. It was the year after we'd, the year after we'd been up there and thought, you know what, this is, this is the competition that made us want to compete. Um, we went back and took out the RGC the the following year. Wow. That was, that, that, to take the RGC in Port Macquarie, uh, in our first year of competition was just mind blowing for us. Um, we'd, we'd sort of been edging some top results all year and always kept bombing one category here or there that, you know, gave us a top 10 finish instead of, you know, something that we would have been more proud of. Um, and then Port Macquarie, just really everything fell into line for us. From a results perspective, it was the worst brisket cook that I've ever had in my life. Oh, I'm happy to go on record and say that <laughs> I, it, it, it came straight off the grill and was sliced and went straight into the box. And it was not the result that we were expecting to see when we got to the uh, awards ceremony. Yep. We were, we were quite stunned because, um, yeah, the, the brisket was definitely not one. It, it just gave us grief right until it was sliced and went into the box and, um, then insert competition barbecue here and the judges actually liked something that we had thought um, was a nightmare of a cook. Oh, mate, I've always said that it's the, when I'm competing, when I'm ready to just throw it in the box and just, and I just say, just, just get it out of my sight. I don't, I, I hate this. I don't want to see it anymore. Those are the ones that score the best. And the ones where I'm dancing around in the, in the, in the tent going, yeah, nailed this. Woo. Judges just slam it every time. <laughs> yep, I, it's bizarre just the way that that works out. So, um, what what sort of hole has this left in your life now that Port Mac's not on? 
Oh, Port Mac- losing losing Port Macquarie was um, quite a blow because it, it was the biggest and it was the best, but it was also you know what got us into the scene, um, and and what very quickly the you know the two years we actually competed there, um, it was just being able to catch up with the the barbecue family from all over the country. Yeah, that's what I always loved about it as well. I think um, 2017 was the first year that I went down there and I was just spectating that year and then I went and I competed in 2018. And, um, yeah, it was it was amazing just how far people were willing to travel to be there. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely definitely one that used to pull the teams out of, out of the woodworks. Yeah, I, I think that, um, that there's a couple of comps that are trying to fill that gap. I think uh, Meet in Mudgee was one of them. And uh, and Bronny's uh, Bundaberg barbecue challenge is sort of trying to put a Queensland meat stock, uh, not meat stock, like, like a Queensland Port Mac type thing together up there. Um, yeah, because those those two comps have just been growing and growing like mad. Yeah, so we we actually um, missed uh, meat in Mudgee. I did manage to get last year. I managed to get up to uh, smoke in broke. Um. Oh, I, I think that might be the one I'm thinking of, Smoking Broke. Yeah, when I when we got up to Smoking Broke and I saw the atmosphere that Rob and Randy had managed to create there, it was it was amazing. Um, I actually spoke to them at the end of the event on the Saturday. Well, not at the end of the event when I was leaving um, on the Saturday afternoon. Um, I'd recently come back from a Texas trip and I'd been over in Lockhart at a, a really large competition over there. Um, and when I came back, um, Smoking Broke was one of the first competitions last year that I had been to since returning. Um, and the atmosphere at Smoking Broke felt exactly like I was at a competition in Central Texas. The environment that they had replicated um, up there, and especially after night fell, and there was bonfires going all over the the event, and there was live live country music, and the whole thing was just mind blowing, and it did feel genuinely like you were in the United States. It's actually funny how many people have have said that to me because I I haven't been able to get down there, but um, yeah, it's it's it sounds like they've really nailed it and really put it together just perfectly. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a great event, and unfortunately, with everything going on. Globally at the moment, it's it's been one of the, the events that's fallen victim to having to have been suspended. Um, we, we were, we were going to be back up there again this year, uh, not only with Kids Q Nation, but we were, I was taking the team as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely going to be an absolute ripper. So um, I guess that sort of brings us up to 2018 and um, the pinnacle of that would have been winning Kangaroo Valley. Can you... Can you give us the uh, the run up of 2018 leading into Kangaroo Valley? Um, yeah, so 2018 was a, a bit of a slow start for us. Um, we had a few less competitions. Um, we we all just had a, the whole team. We all just had a few things going on. Um, the later half of the year was was where we, we really started to jump back into the comp scene. Um, the invitational at Moore Park was interesting. Um, after bumping on the Friday night, our tent, there was really high winds in Sydney. Our tent acted like a parachute, went over the back fence of the event, across the oval and into a wall. Oh, no. <laughs> and and we had a bit of dam- damage to the frame. Luckily, it was it was sturdy enough. Um, then we, we came back... Um, for a couple of good results at the Invitational. That was our first on the M-Grills. And then um, that sort of dialed in the the M1 and the M16 for us. Um, and then I'm not sure, I can't remember off the top of my head, there was only a week or two difference between the Invitational and Kangaroo Valley. Um, and then we went down to Kangaroo Valley and set up the... Uh, interesting display that we had down there that year yeah. and um, cooked cooked through the rain on the Saturday and the winds on the Saturday 
And um, yeah, we we just had a a brilliant cook. Everything just sort of fell in. We were one team member down, but everything sort of fell into line for us on the Sunday for the ABA cook. Um, and we got trophies in three out of four categories and the uh, grand champion. Yeah. I remember calling out Smoking Hot Coals, uh, sorry, Smoking Coals Barbecue as the grand champion winner and just you, your leap into the air. <laughs> it was, it was two hands yes. above the head, two, two heels right up behind your butt. It was like a, it was like a 1980s Toyota commercial. It was just, <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Maddie Harris for um, capturing that photo too. <laughs> oh, that's who got the photo. Okay. It, I, it is. It is. Yeah. No, so, so many times, um, you know, in, in the couple of years that we'd been competing, we'd heard our names called or we'd taken trophies in two or three categories and then just bombed the last category. So everybody was looking at us like, you know, and, and sort of going, hey, you've got this, you've got this, this is yours. But my brain was still saying, nah, nah, we've got to, we, we bombed one. We have to have bombed one. Um so and, until until the call was made, I I wasn't convinced that we'd actually done it. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, I I could tell that you were so stoked to 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 get it, <laughs> and uh, I I had seen how hard you guys had done it, like how hard you'd worked that weekend, and it was definitely definitely well deserved. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it, it had been it'd been a long time coming. We'd been so close so many times, and yeah. <laughs> just wasn't convinced until the trophy was in my hand. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. All righty, Matt. So now you did mention just before the break there that um, that you had done a couple of trips to the States. Can you tell us about sort of where you went and what you learnt there? Uh, yeah, so... Um, being part of the um, B&B, team, B&B charcoal team and being the Australian ambassador, um, I've been over there for a couple of events and I've been fortunate enough to cook with um, some really good guys. Um, you know, uh, Mark Lambert was the most recent one before we'd come back and um, gone to the that, that year's Invitational in Kangaroo Valley. Um and really thankful for you know the the opportunity to have not only just been over there, but to be able to cook with some of the world's best as as part of the B and B charcoal team, and you know just some of the some of the finer details that you get to learn when you um, cook with these guys that you just see see the little things and you just go, why did I never think of that? Um, but in the end, it ends up making a difference to to our results when I come home. Absolutely, yeah. Can you can you share with us maybe some of those little things that you picked up? No, no, no. I'll keep doing ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. No, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you you mentioned that you went over there um, already, the B and B Charcoal Ambassador. How did that relationship come about? Um, I'd been co- I, I I was cooking on B and B. I'd in the beginning, in the very beginning, um, there was uh, a trial shipment came out to Australia, you know, did all the, the quarantine and, and inspections and whatnot. And then the first shipment um, that came out was around the same time that I bought my first offset. Um, I took a bag of the B&B oak lump charcoal with my offset um, and I was impressed that I could run a 20 inch offset, um, on half a bag of, of this stuff that I'd never seen before that no one had ever heard of before at that time. Um, and then having gotten into the competition scene, um, I approached them directly, um, and, and just opened the conversation from there. So I'd been speaking with, um, Joey Machado at the time um, and the relationship just grew from there. Um, they were happy to have, you know, 
the, the brand in Australia and the brand growing in Australia. And um, I was more than happy to, you know, be representing a product that I believed in. Um, the, the relationship, I think, I think we're about five years down, fast forward about five years down the track from that now. And, um, you know, we've got a couple of really good distributors in Australia now. We've got um, barbecue smokers and grills in Sydney. We've got barbecue spits and rotisseries. Um, in Melbourne or in Victoria and in Sydney. Um, and more recently, the Citro Group has has come on board um, as a distributor as well. So we're likely to see it, uh, the brand appearing in a lot more places now um, that, that the Citro Group have come on board. Oh, that's interesting. So am I going to be able to get some of it up here in Queensland? Yes, I hope so. I'm I'm hoping that um they they have a huge reach in their um wholesale network and it should be appearing shortly in uh, in a lot of places that it hasn't appeared before. Um there are a lot of retailers that are are going to have access to the product now. Um and we should yeah, we should actually start to see a, a really big growth. Um which is which is amazing. I I wish you know the the growth of the brand um, through the the state cook-off association. Um, it is the official charcoal of the state cook-off association, um, and I think that the growth of that in Australia has seen a bit of organic growth um, in itself, and, and a few more people sort of starting to take take note and take of of the brand's existence and and how the product works, um, but. You know, now that we've got someone that can can really have that reach into the retail market, um, it should start appearing on a lot more shelves that it wasn't wasn't really there before. I certainly hope so, man, because I want to get in there and and, and get amongst it. Um, I had no idea that you'd been working with them for for five years. So, do you help set up these these retail opportunities for them? Um, yes and no. No, I, if. I, I'm out there and I'm, I'm doing my thing and, you know, if if people are asking me about the brands, I'm I'm pointing them back to, you know, where they can, where they can get it. Uh, we do actually have the brand up as far as Townsville. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there are, there are a couple of, I think up in the Cairns and Townsville area, I know there's a couple of distributors right the way back down um, through Sydney and Victoria. Um, I'm not sure um, about any specific retailers in like Brisbane or, or South Australia, but I know that there are a lot that are showing interest and it is likely to appear um, nationwide really soon. Mate, that's very exciting. So um, you did mention earlier that uh, the, the M grills. Now, they're a very interesting-looking uh, set of smokers. Did that relationship come about um, as as your relationship with B&B developed or were they separate from each other? Um, they, they kind of they, they kind of became hand-in-hand, hand, but they did start separately in the beginning. Um, I was very interested in the, the state cook-off association, um, you know, as it started to land in Australia and grow. And then there was a, the, my first M grills was actually the M16, which is their competition steak cooker. And that was a collaboration grill between um, Pancho and Lefty as world steak champions and M grills. So it was a very purpose built competition grill that I had my eyes on for a while before it landed in Australia. Um, once it landed, I actually took the first one off, off the shelf. <laughs> as, as soon as it landed at um, Barbecue Smokers and Grills in Sydney, I, I took the first one off the shelf. Um, to be honest, I didn't even take it home. I wheeled it out the front of the shop and burnt it in. <laughs> Uh, in the in the on, parking on, lot on, on on a demo cook in there did a demo cook uh, that weekend 
um, in their in their in their car park of their new store. Um, Wait, that's awesome. <laughs> and 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 yeah, was just really impressed with with the design and how it was built. Um, it's built just like an offset. It doesn't feel like aluminium at all. Um, I think between the grill and the stand, it weighs about 60 kilos. Um, I actually have to, I actually have to separate the grill from the stand to lift it on my own, to put it in the car without hurting my back. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a really solid piece of kit. And, um, from there I contacted M grills directly. Um, and I spoke to the the owner of M grills, uh, Travis McGee and just introduced myself and said, Hey, I'm blown away by this product. I would love to, you know, build a relationship with you guys. Um, and they were excited and they said, yeah, like, great, let's do this. Um, Moving forward from there, I managed to land just before the the 2018 Invitational. We managed to land one of the um, grill smoker combo units, the M1. Um, And I got my hands on it about two weeks before the Invitational. So I had had, had taken it home, burnt it in, and turned up at the Invitational with a new new cooker. Oh, wow. Um, it sat at 300 on the dot for 10 hours with um, and, and cooked uh, four out of our five proteins on the day and gave us no grief all day. And I was like, wow, this, this is something. Then, you know, a week or two later, we went to Kangaroo Valley um, again on we, – we'd done like three cooks – on on the unit um went down there and and managed the grand champion um so f- from then on my M girls collection has grown <laughs> <laughs> I, I i now there was a, a revamped 2019 version of the m1 grill uh it's slightly longer the rise and fall charcoal grate that sits above the firebox in the unit uh, so you can use it for direct grilling. Um, the actuator had a, a bit of a revamp, so the charcoal grill will actually come up as far as to kiss the grill level now, uh, where there's probably five or six inches difference on the original one. Um, it's also got an insulated firebox, which you would think, you know, we're not cooking in the snow down here no. um you really don't need the insulated firebox um it's a larger firebox and it's insulated um but the airflow in it is much better um and it actually uses less fuel than than the original one it was a, a really well thought out redesign yeah that's that sounds very thorough so how do you find the the cook times on the on the newer one uh, um, sorry. So let me let uh, yep. let me clarify. Um, in terms of the the fuel economy, the the charcoal economy. Um, I I don't know to put it into a uh, percentage. Um, I would have to feed the like original at- version about every forty five minutes to an hour. Uh, I would have to throw another handful of the B&B char logs in um, or if, you know, I was still in a smoking phase, so to speak, I'd be throwing in another log um, of the the smoking wood as well. Um, I would do that about every hour, 20, hour and a half with the insulated firebox. Wow. So it's it's kind of doubled the efficiency. Yeah, it's oh, – I don't know if it's doubled, but it's, it's definitely a, a, a huge, huge difference in, in how efficient it burns to the to the newer unit. Yeah, and I, I think I, mis- uh, I misunderstood before. So I thought you meant that this was like a charcoal cooker that you would just sort of throw little chunks on like if it was a, 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 a Fornetto or something like that. But from what you were saying, you're actually running it as a stick burner. Uh, yeah, so it – 
to visually the the M1 looks like a uh, about the size and shape of a, of your standard four burner barbecue. Yep. Um, underneath it is a reverse flow offset smoker. It has a full full size. It you can use it as a stick burner underneath. It has a full size firebox underneath. When it comes up and through, it's reverse flow. Um, but under the grill level, it has a risen f- that sits in between the grill and the firebox underneath. It has a rise and fall charcoal grate um, that allows you to use it for you know as a actual charcoal barbecue much like you'd use, you know, a, a Weber for grilling or a PK, um, you can actually use it like that. And it's got the adjustable grill level so you can wind the grill up if you want more of a sear or wind the grill down if you just want to use it for a, a, a slower barbecue. Cool. So it's kind of like a Perilla grill in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's It's got that, that rise and, and fall, but instead of your – your grill actually being what moves. It's the- um, The charcoal basket, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the level of the charcoal grill underneath. Oh, fascinating. So they're um, they're readily available in Australia? Uh, they are. They're imported by um, barbecue smokers and grills in Sydney. And if the little one weighs 65 kilos, how much does the big one weigh? Uh, I think they are about the 200 kilo mark. Wow, so they're right they up there are, with like a 20-inch oh, offset. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they'd be the 200, 250 kilo mark. Um, they're on a big set of heavy-duty casters, so they're fairly easy to move around and that's lockable. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're a solid piece of kit. Yeah. <laughs> and so one last question that I had about them. I've noticed that they're called M16, M1. I think I've seen something – with with M4 written on it. Now, I know M16's uh, C, a gun. C4. C4, okay, yeah. So they're all obviously yeah. military named. Is that like, yeah. is this a, a veteran-owned company? Um, no, no, but they do do a lot of design for uh, and application for aerospace engineering. And then they are Texas-made. They're from Mesquite, Texas. And all of the products are named around uh, military application. There's the M1 off the Abrams tank. There's the M16, um, obviously machine gun. There's the C4, which is the little um, portable sort of go anywhere style grill. They look like fun. They are, they are. <laughs> I've got two of those. My, my next got, question was going to be how many of them have you got? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, well, I have two of those, um, one belonging to my son and one belonging to myself. Um, one of the original versions and one of the uh, stainless steel versions, which is um, quite a portable little SCA cooker. It, it comes with a little set of grill grates of its own. yeah. Now, you, you just mentioned your son before. Before we get into Kids Q Nation, what's up with that truck? <laughs> um, because we, we thought we'd have a bit of fun that year at Kangaroo Valley. Um, we took the – that, that was actually a, a friend of mine's car. It's an ex-Australian military um, Land Rover. Um, with, with M-Grills and all the names actually comes the M-Grills Army for all of its supporters and, um, you know, product owners. Um, so we thought we'd have a bit of fun that year. Um, we, we set up all the, the camo scrim netting over our tent. We put the um, Land Rover out the front in full Australian Auscam colours. Um, and it was, it was a hit, actually. We, we had a ton of people coming past and just having photos with the Land Rover and we had a few kids climbing through it and yeah, it was really good. You did draw quite a, uh, quite a crowd there, but um, how was it on a long trip? I can't imagine it would have been too comfortable. <laughs> Thankfully, I from, from my house to Kangaroo Valley, I only had to drive about an hour 10, an hour 20. Um, it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
It was cold. That's all I can say. I remember my fingers were going numb on the steering wheel driving down there. Um, it was on the Friday afternoon. It was quite cold and I couldn't work out for the life of me how to close the vents and the, the whole front of the car, the vents, the, it felt like there was no firewall um, between <laughs> myself and the front of the car. It was just, and my fingers were blue and numb by the time I got down there. Um, was a much better drive home with it in the warm in the warm on the Sunday afternoon than it was to get down there. Yeah, my understanding is being a military vehicle, it's got all the creature comforts stripped out of it. So like no no heaters, um, no nothing. The the only air vents are the windows, or I think I saw some had like a kick panel on like down near the driver's foot. Yes, you could open like a little panel. Yep. And uh, yeah, it must have been quite quite interesting. I did notice that you didn't bring it back last year. Uh, no, it, it actually, we wanted to, um, but it actually got painted. Oh, it's, really? It, it, yeah, yeah. It's it's just a it's a full army green now. It's no longer in in full Auscam colours. So we ended up just leaving leaving it out. Yeah, it would look more like a British military vehicle in that case. Yes, actually, it does. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Kids Q Nation, man. Let's get into that. Tell us about Kids Q Nation. Um, okay, so Kids Q Nation. When Kids Q Nation uh, was founded in Texas, um, when I was over there for a trip, uh, for actually, actually in 2018, uh, from when I went over for a trip to Lockhart, um, I met the guys over there, had a chat, saw how it all works, um, very similar to the State Cook-Off Association, watching all the kids line up in a row, draw their number, just the same as the adults, stand up, choose their uh, – at the event I was at, they cooked pork chops, um, choose their pork chops and um, then go off go off to the little kids' queue area and, and cook. Um, I, I just – I was blown away. I thought it was awesome. And then – 15 hours in the air is a lot of thinking time between Dallas and Sydney. It sure is. <laughs> and when I when I got off the ground in Sydney, um, I contacted back to the US and said, hey, I love the concept. Um, no one is doing anything for the kids down here. They all get, you know, all of our kids, mine included, get taken to all of these barbecue competitions they don't really have a lot to do. They sit in the corner on their iPads for the weekend, um, you know, and I, I love that you guys are, are breaking that up and giving them something to do and teaching them some basic life skills at the same time. Would you consider letting me bring it to Australia? And um, immediately um, they were all for it. The the kids' queue guys in, in the US were just like, Oh my God, yes, let's make this happen. Um, and I had a chat um, to the ABA um, and said, hey guys, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, do you guys have any plans to, you know, do anything with the kids? And if not, would you support what I'm doing? And they were they loved it from the beginning. They said that they had already spoken about doing something with the kids, but with the ABA being you know so large and growing at the rate that it does every year, um, you know that it it had basically been on the back burner, and that they didn't have the resources to make it happen. But they would wholeheartedly support you know, if I wanted to, to take it and run with it. And they have, they've been amazing since the beginning. Um, you know, giving me, giving me access to, you know, becoming an official ABA partner with between kids Q and the ABA, um, giving me access to, to, to anything, to all of their promoters and, and everyone has just been great helping me get this, um, off the ground from, from the very beginning. Um, you know, there was a few months where there was a lot of talks behind the scenes of, you know, how to get it going and what we were going to do. And then we had our first event at Smoking Broke last year. Um, 
And then before the end of the year, we had had uh, six um, competitions. Um, we had had a stand a standalone event or two. We had had a couple associated with um, larger ABA events. And, of course, then all the kids that had heard their names or taken trophies um, qualified for the Black Bear Invitational at the end of last year and they had their own Invitational. That's um, awesome. And then from there, we were on track this year um, to top 20 events in four states. Um, and unfortunately, we've, just like everyone else, we've we've fallen victim to the whole coronavirus situation at the moment and just had to really put everything on, on pause. Um but with with that said, um, you know, when when everybody starts to come out of hibernation and all of these events, all the promoters start to fire up their events again, um, there's been a lot of background work with Kids Q Nation has reps in New South Wales, South Australia and Victoria now. Um, so... Once we all come out of hibernation, um, I'm imagining that it's it's going to be a quite a big thing for getting these kids involved and getting the next generation of barbecuers out there on the grill. Absolutely, man! It's it's really important stuff that you're doing there. I I love it. I I love everything about it. Um, what's the what's the response been like from the from the kids and the parents? Um, really good, actually. Really good. Um, I've I've done a couple of events um, in three states so far um, this year. Uh, it was great. You know, last last year it was between New South Wales and Victoria. Um, we had our first event in South Australia. I got, I managed to get down to South Australia. Um, we were welcomed down there to the up in smoke barbecue competition uh to date that even though it was south australia's first it is actually our largest turnout of kids to date um so that was awesome to see um the one thing that i am noticing is all, all of these kids we've got our own mini barbecue family starting to grow around the country We've got, you know, kids that, and I'll use Up in Smoke as an example. We had um, a, a whole bunch of kids from South Australia. We had a couple of kids come over from Victoria, um, you know, and they've become mates at Victorian events and then they were happy to see each other and, and be able to catch up over in South Australia and, and meeting a whole bunch of new kids. We even had one fly down from New South Wales um, to Adelaide just for the event. Um, it, it was only James and, and his mum that flew down from New South Wales for the event and they, they did a fly-in, fly-out just so that James could compete. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, it's it's great. The, it's, the, it's building its own momentum, but it, it's building its own community behind it. Recently, we've had a whole bunch of our, our little kid cooks um, being recognised by their own local papers as well. I think we're up, I think we're up to about five now um, local papers where, you know, Kids Q Nation has been recognised and the, the kids in the local area are being recognised for being at the top of their game and winning these comps or, you know, being up in the top five, top ten nationally and they're getting the recognition from their own local communities and, and seeing their faces in the newspaper and being able to take the local paper to school for show and tell. And it, it's just, it's great. It's, it's really heart melting for me seeing all of this happen and, and these kids becoming friends and becoming friends, making friends all over the country, um, as well as getting the recognition that, that they deserve for, for working as hard and practicing as hard at home as they can. 
Man, that's going to give them such a sense of achievement and and confidence in themselves, particularly when they start getting recognised by the community. Because, you know, typically speaking, when it comes to local newspapers, it's always, you know, the footy kids, the cricket kids, maybe a science fair kid, maybe, you know, maybe a spelling bee or a poetry competition. But to to, to see that cooking kids are starting to get uh, to get their share of that recognition, man, that's some great work. <laughs> Thanks. So um, you, we, bef- we, we briefly mentioned the coronavirus before and the, the effect that it's had on your Kids Q Nation uh, calendar for the year. At Kangaroo Valley in 2019, you announced that, um, that the winner of the ladder was going to be going across to America. I, I realise that it's all up in the air at the moment. Some of the forecasts for competitions, so meat stock, for example, has been pushed back to September. If you get started again in September, will that give you enough time to still meet that that US deadline? Um, possibly. The The event date um, has changed for the US anyway, but given the the instability and, you know, in being able to travel at the moment, um, I have had talks with Kids Q in the States as to what our backup plan would be basically. Um and the thought that we're having is that regardless of what happens, this is going to be, these kids aren't going to miss out. And any of the kids uh, going forward, we are looking at trying to put together some kind of annual event that would showcase um, a, a throwdown basically between um, any kids Q nation country and have that, in the United States every year. Uh, with that said, Australia and the US are the two countries that are involved in that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just I'll just leave a hint to say that if we were to get to this time next year, there may be other nations involved. Okay, all right, I can I can, <laughs> I can read read between the lines fairly well on that one. Um, but as for as for you know what what was already going on and and in everything beyond that with um, the kids that have already qualified, the event is likely to be postponed. It is not going away, and we would we would very much like to make it an annual event, just the same as you know winning a grand championship in Australia would qualify you for the American Royal or winning a golden ticket in Australia would qualify you for the world state cook-offs for the state cook-off association. Um, we are very much on that line of thought that our kids will have the ability, our little winners will have the ability to qualify for an international event. Um, and it's just going to, we're just going to have to wait and see what that event entails coming out the other side. Uh, but very much it, it, it is going to play out to be uh, an annual event if, if we have our, our way. Awesome, man. I love the sound of that. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that turns out. So given how good you are with kids and the fact that you love barbecue so much, share with us some ideas for entertaining kids during lockdown. What are you doing with your kids? <laughs> um, surviving. No, I kid. Um, Throwing them so, a Nintendo Switch and telling them just to sit in their bedrooms. <laughs> no, 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 no. That that would be the dream outcome for them. <laughs> um, um, we we've been getting out. We've been making sure we're getting out daily and just you know going for a walk or a bike ride or something. Um, we have we're lucky enough that we have a preservation area of bushland just near our house, so we can just go off down the bush path. You know go down to the other end and turn around and come back and we're getting out of the house and taking the dog for a walk and, and all of that. Cooped up inside the house, um, beyond the the homeschooling side of things, um, we've done things just as simple as, you know, setting up a couple of different activities in the backyard and going, you know what, five minutes on this, five minutes on this, and then rotate. Like, a, like, they, like craft activities or physical challenges or? No, 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 you know, like. Um, it might be five minutes of shooting hoops on the basketball ring or kicking the, kicking 
the ball, kicking the soccer ball, soccer goals, or, you know, on the trampoline. Um, recently, uh, my oldest has taken to um, parkour. Oh, really? Uh, we ha- yeah, we, we had a local skate park open and when they had their grand opening, they've actually got uh, a little concrete playground set up for parkour. Wow, he, I've never he, heard of that before. Well, neither had we. And then we were down there for their grand opening and they actually had, um, we found out there's a local parkour place as well. And they had some coaches down there and they were teaching some basic skills, um, which was great right before we went into isolation because we have a, <laughs> we have a retaining wall. Ah, there you in go. Our back, in our backyard. So he has been running at the retaining wall and bouncing off it or jumping <laughs> off it or putting a chair out there and jumping over the top of a chair and it keeps him amused. Very cool. I love the sound of that. So, yeah, that was something unexpected but great right before isolation. Yeah. You can have him like leaping over the wood pile for the for the smoker and all that sort of stuff, set up a real course all through the barbecue area. <laughs> Here you are, son, pick up this M grill. It's 65 kilos. It's going to build big muscles for your parkour. <laughs> yeah. Bench press this, throw a log in that, split this wood, <laughs> put it in that firebox. Perfect, perfect. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. So, Matt, it's that, it's that time of the interview where you're going to share some wisdom with us. You're going to drop a lesson on us, mate. So what, what would you like to talk about tonight? Um, look, I think one thing that's, that's been a real hit um, around our house lately that sort of a lot of people probably don't have as their one of their go-to cooks, I guess, would be um, beef cheeks or, you know, what we've been doing is um, more beef cheek tacos. Ooh, beef cheeks. Yeah, walk us through how to do that. Um, fairly simple. We've just been buying about a kilo of beef cheek at a time, about four or five cheeks, um, skinning quickly skinning the, the silver skin and, and putting some rub on it, a um, couple of hours in the fridge for it to set. Um, giving it about, at about, in an offset at about 300, giving it about an hour and a half worth of smoke and then dropping it into a foil tray in a bath of, uh, Guinness and melted butter. Guinness. That's and, interesting. <laughs> uh, it's got to be the Irish blood. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, uh, one, one, one can of, one large can of the, the Guinness, the, the normal Guinness, mm-hmm. um, and half a stick of butter, wrap it in foil and just cook it until it falls apart. The bonus with using the Guinness is it actually reduces with the butter in that time and you end up with a really thick jus that you can, um, save and put aside for the leftovers and that usually ends up becoming um, Guinness and beef cheek pies for anything that didn't make it into a taco. Wow. That sounds like a top idea. So when you say half a stick of butter, um, a stick of butter in the US is an actual measurement. Do you mean like like half a 250-gram block, so 125 grams of butter? Yeah, yes. Just that you standard – you stand a block of butter, the 250 gram, just cut straight in half. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, because when I was over there, I, I found that a, a stick of butter is about, stick, yeah. <laughs> is, is about a quarter of a block. So if you're using half a stick, that would be an eighth of a block. I'm thinking that, that's not a lot of butter. He must mean like half the block. Yeah, no, 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 half, half the block by Australian terms. Yeah. About, about, about the 125, 150 gram mark. Yeah, yeah. So do you know that they're done when they probe like butter, like a brisket? Yeah, as soon as when I just keep checking it until you're getting no resistance at all with a toothpick, it just goes straight through. Or if you just push gently on the top of of each cheek, your finger will start to to go through it like it's going to disintegrate, and and that'll be the difference between being able to slice it and just being able to pull it with no problems. Nice. So when you when you're uh, sort of turning that into tacos, how does how does that happen? Do you 
do you break them up like like pulled beef and then stick them in a fry pan with some taco seasoning or how do you go about it? No, no, no. I just I just pull them and then use the pulled meat from whatever I'd already seasoned it with, use the pulled meat straight in the taco. Oh, rightio. Interesting. So it's, it, it's really like a fusion food. You're not sort of adding the adding the Latin spices to it? No, no. The, be, the, the only thing that I, I would suggest is actually um, throwing the, the tortillas themselves directly over the charcoal and then um, – waiting for them to puff up, get a slight char and puff up and then just, just taking them off and either eating them hot or letting them cool. That's interesting, like like caveman tortillas. Uh, on the grill, definitely not straight on the charcoal. Oh, okay. So when you said Sorry. on the charcoal, I thought you meant like whack them straight on the... <laughs> no, no, no. Not straight to, on the charcoal. Over to, the charcoal. Yeah. You'd have to be real quick not to burn a big hole straight through them. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, that sounds absolutely delicious. So so thank you so much for uh, for sharing that that with us. Um, mate, I think it's uh, it's around that time to sort of close out the, uh, th- this episode. So um, I'm going to open up the studio to you now and you, you can give whatever thanks and shout-outs you want to do. Tell the audience where they can track you down on the socials and follow, um, follow your adventure, follow your story. Okay, thanks. Uh, thanks for having us, and um, you'll find us uh, on Facebook as Smoking Coals Barbecue, and the same on Instagram. That's awesome, man. Did you want to give some shout-outs to people that uh, that you want to say thank you to? Um, no, I'd be scared. I'll, I'll miss someone. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I no, can... Look, there's there's been there's been so many people, um, you know, that that have helped us and and supported us along the way. Um, you know, from the beginning of our, our barbecue journey um, and, and still do, obviously B&B Charcoal and, and M Grills being those major ones, Victorinox Knives, um, you know, there's been others that have come and gone in in those times as well that, that really made an impact to us, you know, at, at the time. Um, and, then, and then our ongoing working relationship with, the distributors of those brands, you know, um, we, we just couldn't, we couldn't get by without, without the help from, you know, the likes of, um, the guys at barbecue smokers and grills in Sydney, um, barbecue smoke, uh, sorry, barbecue spits and rotisseries, you know, have, have been great in, in helping us get, get through as well. Um, all, all of our butcher mates, um, you know, there's there's three main three main ones that, that that really go above and beyond for us. It's um, Scotty at East Blacksland Butchery and his team, um, Scott Haywood at Haywood Meats in in Richmond, uh, and a local local one to us that that do all of our chicken. Vicky and the team at um, Kiosk Fine Foods. Um, we just you know. <laughs> Getting getting the last minute calls before all of our comps, because uh, you know we we tend to leave everything until the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> I as hear we that. Always, as we always do, um, you know, there's just yeah, so many that have just always supported us and and always put up with us for leaving everything to the last minute. Um, <laughs> just yeah, huge thanks to to everyone. That's nice, man. Absolutely lovely. All right, look, I'm going to say thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us and um, best of luck in the future. Thanks a lot. And there you have it, family. That was Maddie Staunton from Smoking Coals Barbecue and Kids Q Nation of Australia. How good does that Kids Q Nation work sound? That's that's really important stuff that Matt's putting out there into the community and it's going to really do a lot. Um, Barbecue already brings people together and already builds family and builds a sense of family. So to include the next generation um, at such a young age is just outstanding stuff. So make sure you do track them down on the the social media. Do give them a follow and, and make sure that you do check all that out. So that's it for today's show. So if you'd like to help out the show, if you'd like to do something to uh, to, to help us out, uh, please make sure if, wherever you're listening to this, 
you uh, you give us a review, give us a five star, um, give us some feedback. Different platforms have different ways of doing it, but if you're uh, if you in particular, if you're on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. Five star review, written review, so people can see it. That really helps us spread that barbecue love. As the more reviews we get, the more Apple um, it, it triggers their algorithm and they push the podcast out to more people, so more people can discover us. So if you wouldn't mind doing that for me, that would be super awesome. Thank you very much. And until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.